From the studios of EWTN, this is Open Line with today's host, Father Wade Menezes. In North America, call toll-free 1-833-288-EWTN. That's 1-833-288-3986. Outside North America, call 1-205-271-2985 or send an email to openline at EWTN.com. And we're very glad to have you with us today here on Open Line Tuesday on EWTN Radio. Jack Williams away. I'm Tom Price. Uh, Very glad to be joined by our Tuesday host, Father Wade Menezes of the Fathers of Mercy. Father, how are you? I'm doing great, Tom. Thanks for sitting in today and helping pitch hit for Jack today. We appreciate that. Glad to do it. And I, I must ask, before we go to the phones and get to your springboard topic, how was your Memorial Day? Oh, it was fantastic. We Fathers of Mercy, we uh, did some grilling and uh, in the afternoon and earlier at, at Mass that morning, uh, yesterday morning, we uh, remembered all those who have uh, fought for our country and who have passed and uh, lifted them up in a special way, especially during the general intercessions. And it was a beautiful, uh, restful day in their honor and memory here yesterday at the Fathers of Mercy. Fantastic. And we hope everybody had a, a wonderful Memorial Day holiday and uh, remember all those who died in the service of our wonderful country. Mm. We're going to get to the phones in just a moment here. Let me give you that number right now, 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. If you're calling from outside North America, please dial the number 1 and then 205-271-2985. Or uh, you can certainly send us uh, an email, and the address for that is openline at EWTN.com. Be sure you put Father Wade or Tuesday in the subject line. Big, uh, a big deal coming up this uh, Sunday. That is the Solemnity of the Most Holy Trinity, right, Father? Yeah, that's right. And we could say that it's the octave day of the Pentecost octave. Yeah. Huh? We just celebrated Pentecost Sunday, day before yesterday, and we're big on octaves. We Catholic Christians are. So eight days of celebration, even though we're technically back into ordinary time now, the first of two ordinary times during the liturgical year, we just entered into the day after Pentecost with the obligatory memorial of Mary, Mother of the Church, which Pope Francis called for in 2018. Uh, that the Monday uh, from henceforth, the day immediately after Pentecost Sunday, will be the uh, memorial of Mary, Mother of the Church. And uh, as we progress through this octave now of Pentecost, if we can call it that, it will culminate on the eighth day with the Solemnity of the Most Holy Trinity. How beautiful is that, huh? You know, we may think, Tom, of the doctrine of the Most Holy Trinity as something maybe too complicated or abstract, Uh, to make much of a difference in our own day-to-day life. After all, the Church does teach that the doctrine of the Most Holy Trinity is an inexhaustible mystery, right? Mm, Yeah. Uh, You know, in one sense, if you claim to know everything there is to know about the doctrine of the Most Holy Trinity, three divine persons and one God, one God and three divine persons— you can effectively be a heretic, (laughs) because precisely it is an inexhaustible mystery. We have that beautiful quote from St. Catherine of Siena. She says, uh, Eternal Trinity, you are a mystery as deep as the sea. The more I search, the more I find, and the more I find, and the more I search for you. But I will never be satisfied, because whatever I receive from you will leave me desiring even more. Mm. You know, so she's kind of conveying that it's in an inexhaustible mystery, the doctrine of the Trinity. And yet the Catechism states this, quote, The mystery of the Most Holy Trinity is the central mystery of Christian faith and life. It is the mystery of God in himself. It is therefore the source of all the other mysteries of faith, the light that enlightens them all. It is the most fundamental and essential 
teaching, precisely because all other teachings go back to the Trinity. Huh? Uh, in contemplating and loving the Blessed Trinity, we behold the truth of who God really is, a communion of divine persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It is that mystery and that life that we are called to share in. Uh, the Trinity, in other words, is who God really, truly, and substantially is, a real, personal, wise, and loving God. And because he has revealed to us who he really is through his Son and through the divine word, we can really speak to him, Tom, and really have a loving relationship with him. Uh, there's a great quote by St. Terribius of Montenegro, a, a 16th century saint. He says, God is the infinitely perfect being who is the most holy trinity, quote, end quote. What a great apologetical answer. Mm. If a, if a non-Catholic Christian friend of yours or a, maybe a non-Christian friend of yours comes up to you one day, Tom, and says, hey, Tom, I know you love your Catholic faith and you practice it devotedly. Tell me, Tom, as a, as a Catholic Christian, uh, who is God to you? Who precisely is God to you? And you could simply answer, oh, me? For me personally, <laughs> my God, as a Catholic Christian, my God is the infinitely perfect being who is the most holy trinity, quote, end quote. Isn't that a great answer? Don't you love oh, the saints? Yeah. You know, it's just, it's just a nice, tight, short, curt, yet fully developed answer. It's just perfect. awesome. It's perfect. Yeah. And then St. Columban, he says this, the, the 7th century abbot, he says, who then is God? I shall tell you who is God. He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God. Therefore, do not look for any further answers concerning God. Isn't that great? Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the saints, right? Now, now, the Benedictine school has given us much, much food for thought regarding the Trinitarian doctrine and how it's tied to the liturgy. And, and a famous Benedictine litur liturgist, Dom Cyprian Vagagini, he says, The way by which God comes to us and we go to God is left neither to our own whim nor to our own choice, but rather is positively pointed out for us by God himself. It is the law of objectivity. In other words, it is what it is, right? Yeah. The primary basis of the liturgy and indeed the primary basis of all of our prayer. And then he goes on to say that first we acknowledge it is a Trinitarian God because scripture tells us so through the incarnate son. Secondly, we develop what are known as relations. And he says, what are the relations of the three divine persons? He says, I shall tell you, everything is directed to the father through the son in the Holy Spirit. And we see this especially in St. John's Gospel, the great priestly prayer of Jesus, chapter 17. He says this, to describe this cycle of relations in brief, every good gift comes to us from the Father, through the medium of Jesus Christ, his incarnate Son, in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And likewise, it is in the presence of the Holy Spirit, through the medium of Jesus Christ, the incarnate Son, that everything must return to the Father and be reunited to its end, the most blessed Trinity. This is the Christological Trinitarian activity of the sacred history of salvation, of the plan of God for the entire world. The whole structure of the liturgy presupposes this activity, these relations to the mm -hmm. Father through the Son and the Holy Spirit, without which the liturgy, liturgy would be incomprehensible. And what is the litur liturgy? It's the celebration of any of the seven sacraments, three sacraments of initiation, two sacraments of healing, and two sacraments of union at the service of communion to the populaces of the world. And without a notion of these relations of the three divine persons, uh, Tom, um, the liturgy 
uh, Don Vagagini is telling us, the great Benedictine liturgist, he's telling us the liturgy would be incomprehensible. Now, look at the colic prayer at the beginning of Mass, right after the penitential rite. We also call it the opening prayer of the Mass that mm-hmm. comes right after the Gloria, if it's a solemnity, or right after the penitential rite, if it's not a solemnity uh, or feast, uh, days in which we have the Gloria, in other words. Um, it's always, always directed, the colic prayer is, to the Father, through the Son, in the Holy Spirit. And that colic prayer shows forth beautifully what Dom Vagagini is trying to express to us here. Uh, Pope St. Leo the Great says, Beloved, let us give thanks to God the Father through his Son in the Holy Spirit. And St. Athanasius, 4th century, he says, The grace and the gift of the Trinity are given by the Father through the Son in the Holy Spirit. Mm. Again, we see this to, through, and in. Yeah, huh? yeah. Very, very beautiful. And, it, and everything is called to come from the Trinity and return to the Trinity. In other words, life with the Trinity is truly the whole point of the Christian faith and the goal of every human life. We come from our Trinitarian God and are called to return to our Trinitarian God. Uh, this is the great exitus and reditus doctrine, the Latin exitus, exit from, and reditus, R-E-D-I-T-U-S, return to. Exitus and reditus exiting from God and recalled to return to God. Those who have studied theology, Tom, know this phrase well. Everything comes from God, exitus, and in a certain way, everything returns to God, reditus. And I I wrap up this springboard by simply saying this. You know, we can give everything to the Father through the Son in the Most Holy Spirit. What do I mean by that? Well, I mean your prayer, your work, your recreation, uh, your family life, your friendships— Uh, Your marriage, your singlehood, your widowhood, your consecrated religious life, it doesn't matter. You can give everything to God, to the Father, through the Son, in the Holy Spirit. Everything give to the Trinitarian Godhead in that notion of relations, as taught by the Church. Um, Your diocesan priesthood, if you're a diocesan priest, uh, your employment, uh, doctor, farmer, lawyer, we can give everything to the Father, through the Son, in the Holy Spirit, and this should indeed be a a purposeful willed intent each morning when we make our morning offering upon getting up. Huh? So is the Blessed Trinity in a very, very special way a strong part of your spiritual life? If so, give us a call day on Open Line Tuesday and witness about the doctrine of the Most Holy Trinity in your personal spiritual life. All things to the Father, through the Son, in the Holy Spirit. Yes, indeed. And that phone number, 833-288-EWTN. That's 833 833- 288-3986. Open Line Tuesday with Father Wade Menezes here on EWTN. This is Open Line on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. If you have a question, call 1-833-288-EWTN. That's 1-833-288-3986. Outside North America, call 1-205-271-2985. Or... Send us an email to openline at EWTN.com. Very glad to have you with us here on Open Line Tuesday with Father Wade Menezes. I'll give you that phone number one more time, and we'll uh, get to those phones in just a second here. 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. If you have not been to the EWTN website lately, you've got a wonderful reason to go check that out right now. It is the Mother Angelica Memorial. This wonderful site is dedicated to Mother. You can celebrate her remarkable life. It's uh, filled with photos, 
milestones, heartfelt stories, and of course, mother's wit and words that have inspired the hearts of all ages throughout the years. Visit EWTN.com slash Mother Angelica today. Do check it out. EWTN.com slash Mother Angelica. I know uh, she played an important role in your own formation, right, uh, Father? She certainly did. She was my first immediate superior as far as a priestly assignment goes. Right after being ordained in June of 2000, I went straight to the Shrine of the Most Blessed Sacrament to serve the pilgrims there. And uh, Mother was was my immediate superior, who I answered to, and uh, learned so much from her. So I'm I'm very, very grateful. I miss her every day. If Mm. you're ready now, let's go to the phones at 833-288-EWTN. We begin with Joe, a first-time caller from Plano, Texas, in the Dallas uh, Metroplex, listening to us on the great Guadalupe Radio AM 910. Hello, Joe. What's on your mind today, sir? Hello. Thank you for taking the call. Thank you, Joe. What's up, Joe? Uh, I, I wanted to share an experience with, with my wife who passed away in October. Mm. Uh, the experience was, of course, very sad, but it's also had a joyfulness about it that I find just almost incomprehensible. Mm. Uh, she became unresponsive. She was in hospice care. She became unresponsive. Nurses told us that she would not wake up. But after about 30 hours in this unresponsive state, she did wake up. And she very weakly at first said, I did it. And then after getting a little bit of water, she said, I did it. And she said very loudly, I did it. And she raised her hands above her head and like, a, like a victory dance. Of course, everybody in the room was asking her, you know, well, what did you do? What did you do? Mm-hmm. And she said, I came back. I came back. I had to tell you, it's real. I saw Jesus. Padre Peel held my hands. He healed my bones. And this was significant to all of us because she had had shoulder surgeries soldier replacement surgery some years ago, and after that she lost uh, uh, movement of her one arm. She could not hold it above her head. But there she was in this victory dance with her arms high above her head and experiencing no pain. Mm -hmm. Everybody had questions. Everybody in the room had questions for her. She went on and she answered them over and over and over again. Spent many hours doing that. Sure. She emphasized that, you know, God is love. God is love. Uh, and Beautiful. And and is she still living? No. no did, she did, passed away in October. Okay. And, and how soon before she passed did this uh, experience of hers take place? It, it was just before she passed. Okay, it was just, that's what I thought you said at the beginning, yeah. So regarding near-death experiences, you often see the acronym NDE, near-death experiences. Uh, You know, they are reported um, somewhat regularly enough to to merit really some attention. Um, That said, the Church doesn't teach that we put our lock, stock, and barrel belief in them. In other words, the Church uh, says that we cannot be sure if these experiences are real or if they are rooted in some sort of psychological or physiological consequences uh, as the effects of the dying process 
that the dying process literally sets in motion, okay? So we, we just don't know. Now, your wife seemed to have that shoulder healed right away, uh, but soon passed afterwards. So how does that all come together as, as a confluence in preparing her for death? So we really don't know. The main thing is we know as, as Catholic Christians is we want to be prepared for death. We don't want any purposeful unrepentant mortal sin on our soul. We want to receive the last rites, all five elements of it, you know, uh, uh, the anointing of the sick, holy communion, if the person is able to receive, a holy confession, if the person feels the need to go, uh, the prayers of commendation for the dying, which includes the, the litany of the saints being prayed over them, which is just a beautiful, beautiful thought and reality, having the litany of the saints prayed over you, by command of Holy Mother Church, the Bride of Christ, by her priest, who who commands it of her priest, huh? And then fifthly and lastly, the apostolic pardon. So we want to be able to receive the the so-called last rites, of which the sacrament of the anointing of the sick is one of the five elements that constitutes the last rites. We want to not die in a state of mortal sin. These are the things we know. These are the things we know through church teaching. As one of the sacraments of of healing, the anointing of the sick teaches, uh, we want to be able to be prepared to receive that along with the other four elements of the last rite. Now, I'm talking about a near when one is approaching death, near death. As far as actual near-death experiences, we just don't know. Um, we don't want to put lock, stock, and barrel uh, belief in them and, and, and let them run our lives when instead we have the sacramental theology of the Church um, that we want to be able to follow faithfully as faithful sons and daughters of the Church. There can be some elements of truth to them, and that might be fine and well, but we just don't uh, build the whole end of life issue and reality on them and them alone. That would be wrong to do. The church would te- would teach us, uh, especially in her section on death and preparing for death in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, which is in the section on the anointing of the sick. So again, near death experiences are reported consistently enough to merit some attention. Um, you know, a deep sense of peace, maybe seeing a, a long tunnel with a light at the end, uh, some heavenly reunions, in your wife's case, seeing Padre Pio and seeing Jesus himself. There are no official church teaching on NDEs. We cannot be sure if these experiences are real or if they are rooted in some sort of psychological or, or even a physiological, like your wife experienced, consequence or consequences as the effects of the dying process now set in motion, preparing for the person for death. We just don't know. But what we do know is the sacramental theology of the the church. Thank you so much for a great call. I I, I consider that a witness call, uh, because that's, again, NDEs, near-death experiences, are are common enough that they do merit some attention on our part. And Joe, please know of our prayers uh, for the repose of the soul of your wife, and uh, also for you, my friend. Thank you so much for your call. Hey, that opens up a line for you right now at 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986 if you have a question for Father Wade here on Open Line Tuesday. Let's go now to uh, John in Glendale, Arizona, listening on the EWTN app this afternoon. John, what's on your mind today, sir? Oh, my gosh. Uh, Okay, so I've got a couple of questions I kind of want to throw out there. Father, this one is for you. So so I'm a Catholic myself. I'm a Sir Knight, from Arizona. So my question is on the traditional family marriage values that is under attack by our by our nation. Hmm. Okay, first question is why have I not seen the church spiritually stand up and rise up against this woke culturism 
that is trying to squash the church and the body of Christ, one. Second, second question is, I've got a family friend, and her daughter just got married to a lady, and, the, and I know that's wrong, and, and the Bible tells me, um, Genesis 1 and 2 tells me, I talked to the mom last night, and she, and I, and I quoted that biblical verse of, uh, about God made male and female in, in his own image, and I gave her the biblical values, and she totally just told me off, and she said, well, you're crazy and all this stuff, and I'm like, oh, like, friend, do you not know this is God's living word, it is the truth, and, and I told her, when your daughter dies, and I pray to God that she comes to a, a, uh, a, a, we have, for her sin, and I told her, I told her, so this is what the Bible says about that, and I went to 1 Corinthians 6 and 9, and I quoted that biblical verse in kindness and in, and in loving, and I tell you, it just breaks my heart so okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, you know, pray for priests to have the courage, the fortitude, which is an actual gift of the Holy Spirit, one of the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit from the book of Isaiah chapter 11, to preach the truth. Uh, to preach the truth unabashedly, but with great charity, with sound doctrine uh, based on sacred scripture, uh, sacred tradition, and the magisterium, the, the teaching office of the church. Huh? Uh, this is important. I, I think you, your first question is one of, 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 of catechesis. It, it revolves around catechesis and the need for good, sound, courageous catechesis. And not only from the priests, the priests are the ones who initially feed the lay faithful in the pews with that, but then the lay faithful now goes out into the midst of the go out into the midst of the modern world and live their Vatican II mandate, uh, which tells us we are not to be reclusivist. We are uh, to be courageous and give the truth to others. And we also believe in the reality of not only a red martyrdom but a white martyrdom, which is a non-death martyrdom, but rather the martyrdom of of persecution and tribulation, etc. That's the white martyrdom that St. John Paul II always talked about. The red martyrdom is one of actually dying for the faith, the red martyrdom of blood. So we need to pray for priests. We have we, we need to pray for the laity who are fed by those good priests who give the truth committedly and unabashedly. Um, we also want priests to not only preach on the secular issues of the day, uh, but we also want priests to preach on sound doctrine in and of itself, not just uh, e ecclesial, social topics of a homily, like the left versus the right in the church, or a socio-political homily, which focuses just on, you know, solely on the pandemic uh, that we've experienced here in the past recently. Uh, you got to have a balance of things, and you always want to be able to feed the doctrine of the church and what the church teaches. We need good, sound doctrine, and if people know good, sound doctrine, they will be able to argue uh, uh, courageously so and, and rightfully so against the errors of the day. This is a constant message from the Church Fathers, right? Mm, yeah. uh, the Church Fathers of the first eight centuries. They tell us that those who are committed to sound doctrine will be uh, the ones who will be able to refute heresy of the day, of the modern day and age. Now, they were saying this in the first through eight centuries, but their modern day of their time is the modern day for us of our time, right? They say, focus on the doctrine. That's the main thing. And so we want to be able to do just that. And this will even help slowly but surely turn minds and hearts. And this leads into the second part of your question. Um, you know, we want to be able to uh, 
again, charitably, but 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 committedly, be able to share the truths of the faith uh, based on scripture, tradition, the magisterium, to others uh, in what is objectively maybe an immoral lifestyle. Using that as an example, okay, whether they're Catholic or not, and we want to be able to do that courageously and in charity. And so, pray for priests, pray for laity to live their baptismal and confirmation mandates. John, thank you so much for your call. In a moment, Joe in Foley, Alabama. Barb, a first-time caller from Lincoln. Also, Michael in Orlando. Kathy in Omaha. Love very busy phone lines on this open line Tuesday with Father Wade Menezes here on EWTN. Stay with us. This is Open Line on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Hey, we're about at the halfway point here on Open Line Tuesday with Father Wade Menezes. Our phone number, 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. Father, before the break, we were talking with uh, John listening on the EWTN app, and there was kind of a PS that you wanted to add. It was a scripture verse, uh, but we kind of ran out of time. Yes, that's exactly right, Tom. And it's meant for laity as well as clerics. Mm. And it really tells us how to live our baptismal mandate, our confirmation mandate, which are sustained by regular reception of the Eucharist and confession. And this be whether one is married or single or a consecrated religious. Listen to this, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 2 through 4. Proclaim the word, be persistent, whether it is convenient or inconvenient. Mm. Convince, reprimand, encourage through all patience and sound doctrine and teaching. For the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine, but following their own desires and insatiable curiosities will accumulate teachers and will stop listening to the truth and will be diverted to myths. This is what we are experiencing today, in my opinion, 2 Timothy 4, verses 2 through 4. And we are called to be faithful to that. Uh, Philippians 3, 2, beware of unbelieving persons, watch out for workers of evil, be on guard against those who mutilate doctrine. Huh? 1 Timothy 1, I repeat the directions I gave you when I was on my way to Macedonia. Stay on in Ephesus in order to warn certain people there against teaching false doctrines and busying themselves with interminable myths and genealogies which promote idle speculations rather than training honestly and truthfully in the faith that God requires. So these all kind of... Uh, offer the vision that we should be living right now, Mm -hmm. whether preaching from the pulpit on Sunday or living our faith throughout the week in the midst of the modern world. This is is our goal. This is absolutely our goal. John, thanks again uh, for your phone call this afternoon. It is Open Line Tuesday with Father Wade Menezes. Father is a a very important part of the Fathers of Mercy based there in Kentucky. And Father, you've got things going on, right? Yeah, I want to talk a little bit about uh, our main preaching apostolate of itinerant missionary preaching, speaking of sound teaching and doctrine. Yeah. Uh, you know, what is a parish mission like? It's one of the main events that the Fathers of Mercy preach as, as a religious order. That's why we were founded uh, in the immediate aftermath of, of the havoc and destruction caused by the French Revolution. Uh, what is a parish mission like? It's a fantastic opportunity for the people of the parish and surrounding community to come together for a, a four- or five-night presentation on a particular theme or topic of Catholic teaching. Pope St. John Paul II once said that for the periodical renewal of a parish, Tom, uh, nothing beats a parish mission. With daily Eucharistic adoration, ample opportunity for confession, and a solemn closing Mass on the last night, 
A parish mission is a great opportunity for both individual and parish-wide renewal. It provides a wonderful opportunity for parish-wide strengthening of the Church's teachings. And again, uh, the original Fathers of Mercy in France had such success preaching in the immediate aftermath of the French Revolution to, in an effort to bring the people back to practicing their faith. Mm-hmm. They had such success with the parish missions that uh, they were asked to actually continue doing the work, and Father Rosanna, our founder, founded the community as a result of that preaching success. So God be praised, it's all his good work. So if you're a pastor listening or a layperson listening this hour live to Open Line Tuesday, go to fathersofmercy.com, share our website with your pastor, or if you're a pastor or associate pastor yourself listening this hour, uh, look at us at fathersofmercy.com, contact our mission director, Father John Broussard, at missions at fathersofmercy.com. That's the word mission with an S at the end of it. Missions at fathersofmercy.com. That's the email address for Father John Broussard, our mission director, who does all of the men's scheduling. And uh, to look at the website itself, go to fathersofmercy.com. And I know that my endorsement really means nothing, but I just think you guys are fantastic. Well, thank you, Tom, and your endorsement does mean something. (laughs) Well, we're going to get back to the phones in just a second here. Congratulations going out to another member of the EWTN radio family, All Saints Catholic Parish, and that is in Stanley, Boyd, and Kadot, Wisconsin. Hopefully I got that Mm -hmm. right. C-A-D-O-T-T, Kadot, I guess. They're celebrating their eighth year with us. Congratulations to Deacon Ned Wilcom, also Father William Felix, and everybody there at WASB in Wisconsin from your friends here at EWTN Radio. Back to the phones now for Barb, a first-time caller from Lincoln, listening on the Great Spirit Catholic Radio. Hello, Barb. What's on your mind today? Yes, thank you for taking my call. Um, My parents passed away about a year ago, and 73 years ago, our mother gave birth to a stillborn little girl. And she is buried in another site where none of none of us live. Is there any church stipulations regarding if we were to remove her remains to where our parents are buried? No, there isn't. I mean, if the family is willing to do that, and there's agreement amongst the different family members, because something like this can be very, very uh, sensitive, uh, dare I say, touchy uh, with different family members. So I would say that prudence would dictate in this that as long as the family members are in agreement, the different family members, uh, the finances are there, because unfortunately it does cost money to do something like that, the exhumation, Mm -hmm. and then the, the, the relocation, etc., uh, technically, to answer your question, no, there, there's no teaching against that, but I would say that prudence would want to uh, uh, rule the day in that decision because you're, you're looking at a lot of different things here, sure, sure. Uh, and, and that would be important. But no, there, there is no church teaching against transferring a, bo- uh, transferring a body in one current location of a plot to uh, be closer to other family relatives in their plot. I b- believe you said it was uh, your, your, one of your siblings, uh, yes. you want to relocate closer to your parents. Is that mm, correct? That is, that is correct. Yeah, so okay. yeah. Good, great question, Barb. Thank you so much. Appreciate your call, Barb. Here is Michael now, a first-time caller in Orlando, listening on the great Divine Mercy Radio. Hello, Michael. What's on your mind today, sir? Uh, hi. Um, my question is about a statement from uh, Mother Angelica, who a friend told me. She said, nobody besides Catholics can go to heaven. And I 
just about fell off my chair when I heard that, and I'm dying to find out what context was it? Did she ever say that? And what is uh, what is the context of that statement? Yeah, I've never heard that, that she said that per se, but I can tell you one thing for certain, Joe, uh, Mother Angelica would be totally in line with church teaching, which is where there is salvation, there is the Catholic Church. Sure. Either through one's visible membership in the church or invisible membership in the church. Uh, you know, the Catechism of the Catholic Church teaches infallibly uh, extra ecclesiam uh, nolia salus, uh, or outside the church there is no salvation, but we have to take into context exactly what that means, especially in, in light of the church's constant teaching tradition, uh, especially as expounded upon uh, through Vatican II. So, there is no salvation outside the Catholic Church is the negative formulation of that. The positive formulation that we receive from the Second Vatican Council, Lumen Gentium, the dogmatic constitution on the Church in the modern world, paragraph 16, it's formulated in the positive, and it says where there is salvation, there is the Catholic Church. Mm. Uh, so either through invisible membership through no fault of their own. They're not a Catholic, technically speaking, but they're following the dictates of their conscience as what has been made known to them. If they attain salvation, it's because of Jesus Christ and the one true Church that he founded, okay? Uh, there is no salvation apart from Christ and his one holy Catholic and apostolic Church that we know by her four marks. Again, this is an infallible uh, teaching and, and not up for debate among Catholics, but those who are invincibly ignorant invincibly ignorant concerning the truth of that statement will not be held culpable for this lack of knowledge before God. I mean, it's the church teaching is clear about that. So those in the category of, of in this category of invincible ignorance have the real possibility of salvation, even if they never come to an explicit knowledge of Jesus Christ and or his church, which he founded, and which we know by her four marks, one holy, Catholic, and apostolic. Great question. I, I refer you to the four marks of the church section in the Universal Catechism, which was promulgated by St. John Paul II in 1992. We got the English translation in 1993. It should be in every Catholic home. It's a virtual compendium of sacred scripture, uh, tradition, for example, the, the writings of the saints and quotes of the saints, and the magisterium, the teaching documents of the Church, like the Vatican II documents, and the Council of Trent documents. Go to the section of the Catechism, Joe, that talks about the four marks of the Church, and also uh, it, paragraphs number 846 through 848 talks about where there is salvation, there is the Catholic Church, that's the positive formulation, and there is no salvation outside the Catholic Church. That's the negative formulation from the Council of Trent. Both are teaching the same exact thing regarding mm -hmm. invisible or visible membership of the Church. So go to those sections and, and uh, be a good student of the faith and share this with your friend. You want to go back to your friend now and say, well, if Mother said this, she said it in this context, right. because Mother would be 110% faithful with the teachings of the Church. And Michael used the term context, and that's that's the important thing. Uh, mother, you know, if, if somebody put it in a, in a bizarre context, then Mother would be always right on the money to clarify exactly what the Church teaches. That's right. That's exactly right. Appreciate Thank you, Michael, for your call from Orlando today. We really appreciate it. Appreciate that, Michael. It is called to its uh, <laughs> Open Line Tuesday with Father Wade Menezes is right here on EWTN Radio. Glad that you're with us today. Let's go now to Joe in Fuller. 
Foley, Alabama, not too far from us, listening today on YouTube. Hello, Joe. What's on your mind today, sir? Great, great to great to be uh, on the phone with you, Father. Well, thank you so much. Uh, we appreciate your call, Joe. Thank you. I suffer from OCD. As the psychiatrists say, you're born with it. And there was a particular event that happened when I was 19, 20, and it's here I am, I'll be 70 this year, Father. And I've struggled with it, along with other things related to it. And uh, it increased. I was up in Birmingham getting treatments for cancer uh, and uh, uh, cancer, and uh, and it, it came back much stronger. And I'm just trying to see what I can do to relieve my mind of this. I, I pray to God for help and ask him for it. And they're in masses, and ask him to take it away from me. Well, Joe, you, 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 I just need some guidance. Sure. Well, it sounds like you have wonderful self-knowledge. You, you acknowledge that you suffer from the OCD. It sounds like you have communication with your doctor that you mentioned in stating uh, your, your, your case in your phone call to us. Um, those are all good things. Those are all great things, in fact, that, you know, acknowledgement of the problem, the OCD issue. Um, you might find a different doctor that gives a different opinion, but, but you got to find one that that works with you well and that you uh, appreciate his working with you the way that he does. Uh, that's excellent for the psychological part of it, which I'm not an expert in, but I'm glad to hear that you have a doctor that you're seeing. That's extremely important. Number two, and, and a side of things that I can work from uh, as a priest, a moralist, is to uh, encourage you to stay close to the sacraments, especially regular Eucharist and regular confession. Um, and maybe even make a general confession of your entire life that a priest can walk you through in maybe 12 to 15 minutes. A general confession doesn't really have to be that long if you make a good examination of your conscience. And uh, that, that incident that happened when you were 19 or 20, maybe you could talk that out with the priest and he could give you some good spiritual uh, guidance. I'm also very big on psychiatrists or psychologists, Joe, who are practicing Catholics, who understand the sacramental economy of the Church. They understand the importance of the body-soul composite that makes up the the fullness of human nature. We don't have bodies, we are bodies. We don't have souls, we are souls. This is how intimate and intricate the body-soul compositeness is in the human person. So you want to address not only the, the, the psychological, mental aspect of it, which is tied to physiology, uh, you know, chemical makeup, etc., bi biological makeup, etc. But you also want to uh, to address the soul side of it. You know, uh, the intellect, the will, the memory, the imagination. Some things of those four of, regarding the the primary faculties of the soul: the intellect, will, memory, and imagination. That still might have some wounds. Um, attached to them. So it's not an either-or of just just a, a, a good spiritual director or just a good psychiatrist or psychologist. It's a both-and. Mm -hmm. It's a both-and. I think that's very, very important. Also, you might want to have prayers of deliverance prayed over you. Uh, that's something good to do annually for each one of us, you know, just because of the role we're called to, and uh, we want to have a, a a, a grace-filled bubble around us, living our baptism and confirmation, as I said to the earlier caller, to be able to live our vocations and live them well, uh, it might be good to have just a simple prayer of deliverance prayed over you. You know, 
Uh, even lay faithful th- can pray prayers of deliverance. You can pray a prayer of deliverance for yourself. Uh, there's three books I want to give you here, uh, g- three titles, and if you don't have a, a writing utensil and a piece of paper to jot them down, just go back and listen to the podcast. Uh, number one, The Catholic Guide to Depression uh, by Dr. Aaron Chiariti, K-H-E-R-I-A-T-Y. Uh, The second book is From Humdrum to Holy, A Step-by-Step Guide to Living Like a Saint by Father Ed Broom, B-R-O-O-M. And thirdly, Peace Be With You, Keys for Coping with Anxiety, Sadness, Anger, and Doubt by Father Narciso Irala, I-R-A-L-A. Again, the three titles, The Catholic Guide to Depression, From Humdrum to Holy, A Step-by-Step Guide to Living Like a Saint, And Peace Be With You, Keys for Coping with Anxiety, Sadness, Anger, and Doubt. Um, And and I would say maybe the anxiety is is more uh, the angle you want to read that book from regarding OCD tendencies, obsessive-compulsive disorder tendencies. Mm -hmm. But stay close to your priest, stay close to your doctor, maybe make a general confession which can help heal wounds from one's past, and uh, also um, maybe have prayers of deliverance uh, prayed over you, either by a priest uh, and his team of, of prayer warriors, or just pray prayers of deliverance for yourself. And, it, you know, uh, catholicexorcism.org, which is just the name of the organization, but there's also things on there that that uh, are for laity just looking to have a stronger prayer life. It doesn't mean the person's possessed. Yeah. But uh, CatholicExorcism.org has a, has a list of prayers that you one can pray for themselves that are prayers of deliverance. I've, I've gone to that and have looked at that before for my preaching and for myself to bolster my prayer life. So uh, these are good, solid, uh, holy uh, uh, resources that we can look to. But also read online those three book titles and see if any of them attract you more when you read a synopsis of each one. Thank you so much, Joe. And please know I'm going to offer my Vespers for you tonight uh, in a special way. I'm going to lift you up. And uh, I want to thank you for a great uh, witness call today. We really appreciate it here at Open Line Tuesday. God bless you, Joe. And uh, here's a reminder that we uh, will have this podcast posted for you in about two hours. takes a little bit of time to get into the system. But uh, uh, you can go to EWTNradio.net in about two hours, uh, click on the word podcast, go down to open line, and you will find uh, today's program. Uh, so in case you missed any of that, you can certainly go back and, and recap. God bless you, my friend. Appreciate your call. Hey, by by the way, we broadcast the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass every two hours on uh, one of our other EWTN radio networks. There's lots more than just one. And one of those networks is called EWTN Radio Essentials. You can check out the Mass at 8 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Eastern, noon, 2 p.m., all the way up to midnight. So do check out EWTN Radio Essentials. You can get that on the EWTN app or by going to EWTNradio.net. All right, let's go back to the phones now, and let's talk to Kathy in Omaha, listening on the Great Spirit Catholic Radio. Kathy, what's on your mind today? Hi, thank you for taking my call. I have a friend, she's not really a close friend, um, somebody I've known for, for many, many years, um, and she, in the past two or three years, has gotten into Reiki, and she insists that the Catholic Church um, is okay with it, that there are different congregate, or nuns that, that practice it and everything, and I, I know that the Church frowns on it, and she, I mean, she invokes arch- archangels, these names I've never heard of, apparently they're from... Uh, Jewish scripture or something, she gets kind of angry. If I post anything, I, I do post a lot of Catholic stuff on my Facebook page. 
um, including about, you know, like tarot cards and stuff like that. She gets pretty kind of mad when I, when I do that. My question is this. Should I just quietly disassociate myself from her, unfriend her on Facebook, just kind of let her just fade into the background? We don't see each other often, but, you know, we've been friends for a long time. You know, I, I, that would be a type of amputation. I, I, I certainly wouldn't want to do that or even urge you to do that. You know, you do have a, a, a right, however, while not amputating from a relationship, you do have a right to set up boundaries. For example, if, if she was taking the angle of all of this where she was really pushing it on you and you graciously let her know that you were not interested in it, in, in Reiki, and this is why, and you witnessed back to her, but yet she kept coming back to you about it kind of forcefully, you, have, you would have a right to set up boundaries. But it doesn't sound like she's doing that to you. Um, and, and you want to privately, charitably, and rarely share with her the dangers of, of Ricky, and you might be her only mouthpiece to do that. Um, so, you know, you don't want to amputate. There, there's a great article titled The Dangers of, of Ricky uh, at Catholic.com, which is Catholic Answers out of San Diego, that actually talks about a particular case of a woman uh, named Beth Anderson. Again, Catholic.com, it's, that's Catholic Answers out of San Diego. Catholic.com is their website, and the the name of the article is The Dangers of Ricky. Uh, and, and that's something you might want to share with her. You said that you've shared with her before in the past. Remember, we don't get very far if we keep hitting the person over the head with the truth. This is why St. Thomas Aquinas teaches that we give the truth to those who have strayed from the truth. We give it privately, charitably, and if they're an adult, we do it rarely. Why? Because they're an adult. They got to figure it out on their own, and they got to work out their own salvation. Philippians two twelve, right? Yeah. But but we are called to evangelize. So you're not your friend's savior. Jesus Christ is her savior. But you are your friend's prayer warrior. You are your friend's evangelizer. And if you amputate, if you even graciously, slowly but surely pull away from her completely, you cannot be her evangelizer. You could still be her prayer warrior in the background, but you can't be her evangelizer, and you're called to be both. You're called to be both her evangelizer and her prayer warrior. But in regards to the evangelization, you need to do it privately, charitably, and rarely, the three hallmarks of giving someone fraternal correction from St. Thomas Aquinas. We do it privately so as not to embarrass them in front of other people when we're given the correction. We do it charitably because charity is the queen of the virtues, and we, you know, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love, right? And we do it rarely because they're an adult. They got to work out their own salvation with fear and trembling, and hopefully that'll be with a filial fear and not with a servile fear. Yeah. So these are the things we take into consideration. But, but thank you so much for your great concern for your friend and for doing what you have so far, thus far, to move her away from that falsehood. And again, look at that article. That's a great article at Catholic.com, The Dangers of Reiki. Father, what do you think about Kathy recommending that her friend uh, tune into Women of Grace on a Wednesday ah. where she could uh, ask a question from Sue Brinkman, who knows an awful lot about Reiki, and, and so does Johnette as well. And as you were saying that, I was pulling up the website. It's it's dot com, not dot org. I, I I drew a blank. I couldn't couldn't realize couldn't remember which one it was. It's womenofgrace.com. And Tom is making an excellent uh, a suggestion here on Wednesday with Sue Brinkman as her guest, Johnette Williams, uh, Jack's wife, and Jack. Williams is my normally my moderator. Tom's filling in for him today. Uh, Jack's wife, Johnette Williams, uh, has her Women of Grace uh, show and on radio, and she has Susan Brinkman 
talk about these different areas of Eastern spiritualities, mm-hmm. and non-Christian spiritualities, some of their practices. Uh, what if we go in them with a Christian perspective? Is that okay? And, all, and Sue answers all these questions. So this is something you would want to tune into and even call in and ask of Sue yourself, Kathy, uh, and she could give you a, a great, uh, great, uh, more detailed answer than I have. Uh, but it's clear that the church's teaching, as you yourself intimated, Kathy, is is against such practices, and, and indeed, if it can be a, a possible uh, portal or or doorway, uh, wittingly or unwittingly, uh, to the occult. And so, we want to be careful about that as well. Uh, Kathy, thank you so much for your call. Uh, Father, there was something that you wanted to get to uh, on your springboard topic at the beginning of the show, and uh, since we've got just a moment here, yeah. maybe you could recap that. Yeah, t- talk about revealed truth. Uh, it, it, it regards the—you the, know, we, we said earlier that all things to the Father, through the Son, and the Holy Spirit, without which those relations, the liturgy would be incomprehensible, right? From Dom Vagagini, the, the great uh, Benedictine liturgist. Mm-hmm. Well, the liturgy means any celebration of, of the seven sacraments, uh, celebration, celebrating any of the seven sacraments. And so I want to look just at the Mass, the celebration of the Eucharist, okay, in regards to this. The, the Mass itself, Tom, possesses an aura of Trinitarian spirituality, and here's what I mean by that. Stop and think about it. Mass begins with a profession of Trinitarian belief at the very beginning with the sign of the cross. At the end of the entrance rites, the great doxology, the Gloria, sings the lyric praise of the Trinity. Uh, In the creed, the Church proclaims its explicit belief in the Trinity. Uh, The conclusion of the Eucharistic prayer is a Trinitarian doxology, through him, with him, and in him, right? Uh, The whole structure of the prayer, having made manifest the Church's belief in the Trinity, three divine persons in one God, one God and three divine persons. And get this, at the end of Mass, in the dismissal of the people, uh, the people themselves are blessed in the name of the Trinity, uh, and the Mass throughout is thus enveloped in what we could call an aura of Trinitarian spirituality. Mm. So that's something to remember as we're uh, attending Mass this coming Sunday, for Trinity Sunday, which closes the octave of Pentecost. Absolutely. Father, uh, we're out of time. Can you leave us with your blessing, please? I certainly will, Jack. May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit descend upon all of our Open Line Tuesday listeners and remain with each and every one of you this day and always. And St. Joseph, Terror of Demons. Pray for us on behalf of our fantastic team here. I'm Tom Price for Jack Williams. He'll be back very soon. I'm sure of that. Also back with us very soon is going to be our own uh, Father Mitch Pacwa. That'll be on the Wednesday edition of Open Line. On behalf of all of us, I'm Tom Price. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you next time. God bless.